podcast listeners and friends. Did you guys know that September 9th in New York City, the National Down Syndrome Society Buddy Walk is going to be happening? And did you know that the lucky few is going to be there? That's right. We are so thrilled about attending this year's National Down Syndrome Society Buddy Walk in the one and only New York City. It's going to be at Central Park. Not only will we be present with a booth selling all of our gear, signing books, come say hey, but our very own Mason Hope R.B. Avis is one of this year's grand marshals. We are so honored and thrilled and excited. If you want to join our team, and we hope you do, you can meet us there in New York City or just become a team member virtually. Help support the National Down Syndrome Society. Head over to NDSS.org and click all the different links get to team the lucky few and join today we cannot wait to join the party in central park in new york city on september 9th and we hope that you will be there too have you talked to them about the birds and the bees do they understand the situation at hand that the chickens do the chickens understand why why they're not having baby baby chickens? No, but I I haven't taken the time to do that, and now I kind of feel bad. <laughs> they probably know this in their in their bodies. I feel like I need to do that. You can always go out and have a chat with them. I will. After this episode, I need to talk to you girls about something. Oh <laughs> um, chicken chicken life. Hashtag chicken life. <laughs> Hashtag chicken mom. Chicken mom. Hashtag chicken sex talk. Oh my gosh. The birds and the bees and how you guys, it's not going to (laughs) work. We're not set up that way. I think that if you explain to your chickens why you're taking their eggs and their eggs aren't hatching, then they'll settle. They'll settle down. (laughs) They'll finally understand. I could give them, um, there's like faux eggs you could give your chickens to like appease them, like, you know, like fake eggs. Really? I just haven't done that. Yeah, you can like have them lay on fake eggs. But I, I just, I feel bad. I don't think that, I don't think that's right too. There's just different things out there. <laughs> there's different ways to approach this. And I feel like I don't want them to sit on fake eggs and be falsely hopeful that's why people are vegan this is the main reason (laughs) (laughs) it already happened it already happened it's too late (laughs) i'm not i don't want this to be written in don't come for me Peta. <laughs> but do you know how good egg yolks are yes. for yes it was like the, one of the first it was august 8th in egg yolk <gasps> so an organic good. egg yolk every day as soon as they're like so that was good. avocado egg yolks that's what he ate they're very good for your mm. babies and you know what i wish i had known i wish that i had had able appetites mm-hmm. in my life the oh the, um instagram account I, yes. I would have, man, how I would have fed That's my kids. That's the one. <gasps> you guys, have. we need to have that on our toolkit. I bet we do already for new moms. Cause I was actually, yeah. that's it. Able appetite. I was, I'm so glad you brought that up. There's um new mama of a kiddo with down syndrome. And I wanted to give her something when it came to feeding. Able yeah. appetite. Thank you, Micah. You're welcome. I send, I mean, I sent all, I sent my uh, sister-in-law, who my little niece is like just over a year, and she doesn't have any disabilities. And I was still like, you get over to Able Appetites. This is the place. It's just the best. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Bringing it full circle. (laughs) Come after us, PETA. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my chickens are free-roaming happy. They're about to come in this office right now. Okay. Happy girls, except that oh, you keep okay. taking their eggs. Okay. <laughs> you alone, PETA. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, enough of this. My ladies and lady hens out there who are about to come into <laughs> Mercedes' office. Uh, 
<laughs> Let's shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. Today, we are talking about school and friendship in a different way. Mm-hmm. This episode is to the parents of our kids' peers. We're sharing our thoughts on having conversations every kid deserves to have about disability and why it's important. Let's keep shifting those narratives, parents, whether you have a child with Down syndrome or not. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Dear amazing listeners and Down Syndrome family here on the podcast, if you've been listening for a bit, then you have heard about Jack's Basket from our interviews with founder Chris Carroll. You can go back and listen in episodes 44 and 180 to hear about this incredible nonprofit that Chris Carroll started called Jack's Basket. They are on a mission to make sure that every baby with Down syndrome is celebrated and every family is congratulated. And that's just exactly what they are doing. Since the first time we talked to Carissa, Jack's Basket has celebrated almost 7,500 babies. Okay, get this, in all 50 states and over 40 countries. Carissa, team at Jack's Basket, this is incredible. They are working to shift narratives by partnering with healthcare professionals to change the way a Down syndrome diagnosis is delivered. By equipping medical providers with diagnosis advocacy resources, families are receiving the support and the hope that they deserve as they begin their new journey. Lucky few friends, let's help shift this narrative. Let's help them with this imperative work and welcome new families to this incredible community and impact their story from the very, very beginning by letting them know that their baby with Down syndrome is celebrated and they are not alone. You can visit jacksbasket.org to learn more and request a basket. That's jacksbasket.org to learn more and request a basket today. All right, ladies, before we get into this conversation, I'm going to read a review from Jess Bergman, who says this podcast has been such a comfort and inspiration. I started listening at 15 weeks pregnant and binged most of the episodes At the time, I wasn't ready to listen to episodes about how I could advocate because I was so overwhelmed. My daughter is now a year and a half, and I've gone back and listened to all the missed episodes, as well as re-listened to my faves, as I am motivated to step into advocacy. I am in the process of writing a children's book about my sweet Kiwi girl and her big brother, Tristan. I wrote and won a Fund for Teachers grant to attend the NDSC convention this summer. I want to know all there is to know about Down syndrome, especially in regard to reading, as I am reading, as I'm a reading specialist. Thank you, ladies, for being my inspiration and motivator. Jess Bergman, thank you for that review and for sharing all of that with us. Yes. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Let's have Jess on the podcast. I know. Right? This is like a, this is a podcast episode here. Yes. A reading specialist and she's writing a book and her little kiwi. I can't. That's so cute. Yes, a little kiwi. And maybe we'll have, by the time this airs, maybe we'll have met you at the NDSC convention, (gasps) Jess. Oh, that's Um, right. So now we're, now, now we'll know to, yeah, we're best friends already. It's already happened. Um, Go to Instagram to see a picture of us all together. (laughs) Done. (laughs) It's going to happen. Um, (laughs) Thank you, though, really for leaving that review, friends. If you are a lover of the podcast and have never left review, I feel uncomfortable that I said lover of the podcast, but I I did it. Head over to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave a review, and maybe we'll read it here next week. Lover. 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 Maybe. All right, friends, what do you want to tell? We're just jumping in. Here we go. What are you going to tell? What are you going to tell those parents? We're back in school. Well, Micah, you're not, um, but you're close. You're close to being back in school. And well, even school, extracurricular, sports, friends, neighbors, um, I have found that so often the the need for inclusion, what needs to take place for my kid to be included anywhere, all of the responsibility falls on us falls on the person with a disability and those of us who love them and are advocating for them. Mm. And 
so many people I know who don't have a disability and aren't raising children with disabilities want people with disabilities in their lives. Like they, they report back to us all the time. And we, we talk to parents who, who have kids in the same class as their kids. So there is this idea and this, that people without disabilities want relationship with people with disabilities, but somehow a lot of the onus always ends up on us. So what would you share? What have you shared? What will you share? What would you love to share with parents raising kids without disabilities about inclusion and embracing our kids with Down syndrome? Well, I want to say one thing that was really wonderful. And I just want to, again, this puts the more on us part, but I don't know. So this thing came up for Sunflower to do camp, um, and it was put together not by my church, but by my homeschool community. And even though it was with my Orange County homeschool community, they still remembered to reach out and ask if me and Sunflower would like to join them in their homeschool group to go up to camp. And, um, I was like, yes, that's so wonderful. Thank you for thinking of us. And then, um, I have a, one of those big tall vans, so I'm going to drive up and I'm going to have all the girls in my van and I'm going to be a counselor. It it's like, so what, what I'm trying to say is that I know then that takes me to be involved. I'm excited to be like the magic school bus, the person that's bringing up, but what was huge was the um, the thought to remember Sunflower. And um, they didn't have to. They it, It's just so, it's so huge to um, ask. And when it comes to birthday parties, when it comes to just a Friday night thing, when it comes to a sleepover, like Sunny's been invited to a couple sleepovers. And of course I go, and maybe we don't spend the whole night there, but I go knowing that I'm going to probably stay till 1am, 12am. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I know that puts it back on us, but I just feel like this relational of like, just ask because your daughters, this is for parents of the peers may not always think about sunflower or may not think about that person with disabilities in their class, or they'll even wonder like, do you think that person will even want to, or, or that person isn't that fun? They don't really connect with the whole group, but to be the parent to like, still let's say it might feel uncomfortable, but let's just ask, let's go for it. Let's, let me have a conversation with the mom. Let's see what we can work out so that that friend, that peer, that classmate, that church group mate person, you know, that neighbor isn't excluded, but let's try to help them feel included. It's such a lesson in like compassion. Mm -hmm. It's a lesson in being actually a neighbor, you know, or being a friend. And, um, cause I've had some friends that are like, Oh, you know, well my daughter or son created their own birthday list. These were the persons they thought of. And, you know, and that didn't include sunflower, but I don't know that I, I can't blame that kid for mm-hmm. not thinking of her. You know, I do in a sense, and I say this lovingly blame that parent for not thinking and maybe encouraging and not in a bad way, but just in like, oh, we do normal life together anyways. I guess I'm, I'm talking specifically about my community, not like a stranger, but I hold my community to a different standard than I do, um, you know, a classmate or something like that. But, and I've, I've had to think about having, cause I haven't had them yet. Those hard conversations of like, Hey, I've noticed like we've been slowly dropped off of that, you know, in invitation list. This is something I brought up at a previous episode. So it's like you knew sunflowers 10. Now her peers are 10, our friends, kids are 10. And now there's been kind of like mm-hmm. a change, a shift, you know, where, um, those who don't have to invite sunflower are no longer, you know, and I, 
am feeling like, do I mention something or what? I don't, I don't know. Cause I also want to honor those kids who's having a party. I want to honor what their wishes are. And so then I go back and I think about, it. I'm like, oh, okay, then maybe who, who would I talk? Um, it's on the parents. I don't know if this is coming out right, but kind of like it would have to be their idea and maybe a lesson there. I don't know. Heather, what have you done? Um, what do you think? Having kids without disabilities have an understanding of a good understanding of people with disabilities is going to start at home with parents always. And parents have such an opportunity. It's not a burden. It's an absolute mm-hmm. privilege mm-hmm. and opportunity to get to have conversations with your kids from the very beginning about disability and to incorporate it into your daily life in the ways that you can. So by the time they meet our kids, they have some understanding and foundation that disability is not bad. It's just part of the human experience that everybody's different. And that even the conversations like in having um, a relationship with a disabled person might require some additional intentionality and some additional thinking and planning and all that, you know? So it's a yes, a hundred percent on the parents <laughs> in the beginning, you know, and then that, but that's parenting and then you equip your kid yeah. and as your kid gets older, they make decisions, but that's what we do as parents. We guide our children um, it through life and help them get to the point where they're making decisions that are good for themselves and their neighbor and their community and the world at large. And so it starts at home and um, the sooner the better. Yep. Yeah. I've seen, you know, Mercedes is talking about these people like closer in her community. I, and I've been thinking this past summer Mm -hmm. um, about the strangers at the pool who um, Ace is is swimming so well and all he wants when he's in the pool is just to be with the other kids. And it is, we're at the pool every day, but there are different kids there and there are some kids who are there often who know Ace, Mm -hmm. some who are there often who recognize him but are scared of him. And there's so much that I, I think I am offering myself to the parents in that pool community like you know I am I am talking to every kid who is looking worried about Ace coming up to them and you know Ace Mm -hmm. can make my make other kids feel afraid he swims up he stems with his voice so he does a lot of ah ah he doesn't always give people space some kids don't know what to do with him and and I'm like usually pretty present or Chris is pretty present to say like this is Ace. He has a hard time talking, but he would like to play with you and um he just wants to swim and you know, maybe you guys could play catch or and and parents are usually around and I have seen how the parent choosing to jump in and mm-hmm. helping their kid yeah. engage with ACE makes a world of difference. And mm-hmm. some yeah. parents are, are just as scared as their kids are and their kids are going to respond to that. And some parents are doing what you said, Heather, like if, if you, if you choose as a parent to step in and guide your child and, and treat ACE like, a friend and use his name and play with him and see mm-hmm. what he likes to do. You know, it's amazing how like some parents ace, I've talked about how good ace is at spinning <laughs> rings on his fingers. Those pool rings are all over the place <laughs> at her pool and he will walk around spinning and the parents who are like, wow, ace, you are incredible. Other kids will watch him and they'll want to try and they, other kids start trying yeah. to, to do what he does or use the hula hoop the way he does. And realize, wow, he's yeah. really good at this. And I have something to learn from him. Mm-hmm. But it's all about if the parents are willing to mm-hmm. help their kids see that ACE has value and something to offer their child. But if they're going to be afraid kid's gonna be afraid, and they're going to be quiet about it, then their kid is going to be Totally. Afraid. It's so true. And that's just right. our kids are watching us constantly. Mm-hmm. I even think about this is different, but 
how Josh and I respond to like unhoused people. And like we, when we're treating our kids are watching the whole thing. And so if we're mm-hmm. being afraid and we're being standoff and we're ignoring, then they're like, Oh, this is how yeah. you treat these, this group of people. Um, and if you don't have disabled people in your life, which a mm-hmm. lot of people don't, you will at some point, cause it will be someone in your life and your family. If you live long enough, right. you will fall into that category. But if you have kids going to school, then chances are there's kids at your school who have disabilities and it it's just um, so helpful if our kid is not their first experience with a disability, even it's, if it's through books or characters on television shows or podcasts you listen to or whatever it is, the way that you start talking to your kids about humans in general needs to include disability because then they're going to realize that it is just a part of being human. Um, there's a woman I know who, um, Alyssa, she has an Instagram account, Seed and Sew, or her business is Seed and Sew, and she does a lot of stuff with young children, like toddler age children, and talked was having a conversation with her son about like even the way you put your arms through your jacket, it's like one arm, two arms. Well, some people don't have arms, so I don't remember exactly what her conversation was, but something that came up like, yeah, some a lot of people have two mm. arms, but some people have one arm and some people have no arms. And normalizing that for him, he's two years old, you know, and the way that we talk about bodies and it's easy to incorporate within our language ways that we can help our kids understand that there isn't a best way to think or look or be that it's just a part. Diversity is just a part of the human experience and disability is a part Mm -hmm. of diversity and it's not bad or scary. And if we're not if people aren't, haven't talked to their kids from the beginning and their first experience is our child with Down syndrome or a listener's kid with Down syndrome and your kid is experiencing mm-hmm. their peer, their peers are experiencing them and it's not necessarily inc- being embraced, your child with Down syndrome. What is it that we want to say to those parents mm. of the children without a disability who are interacting with our kids almost daily? What do we say? Dear parent, <laughs> fill in the blank. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dear parent, suck it. No, and we don't mean it. No, we don't, mean we don't it. want to say that. That's not nice. <laughs> I would say, dear parent, please come introduce yourself to me and ask questions. Like be do the brave thing that can feel really uncomfortable and ask me questions about my kid. Be honest about how you're feeling. In a kind way, mm. obviously. That's one thing I would say. Yeah. I love it when parents come ask me questions. I've me had, too. I yes. love it when parents are like, I don't really know what to tell my kid. Um, and that's, that's an amazing thing to hear because like, I, how, it's so rare for mm-hmm. parents to be taught what to tell their kid about disability. There's not a lot of, people out there educating them on this and it's a it feels really good to be asked that I think any any time other parents can be honest with a parent of a kid with disabilities that feels really good Um, because for the most part we feel we can feel stared at we feel judged we feel ignored we feel uh, avoided and even if you're coming to us with a question that you feel like is weird or awkward or you don't know if you should ask it or just like Mercedes was talking, Mercedes was talking about earlier, uh, not sure if you should invite our child to whatever it is. Like, is this thing going to be appropriate to invite a child to? Like, we just want to, we want mm-hmm. our child to be invited and we can make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and just let us let us be included in the conversation mm-hmm. and don't make the decision for us yeah. or let let her, don't make the decision for our kid. I think too, Mercedes, you were talking about this a little bit um, or what you were talking about made me think of this. Even saying to us, I really, this event is happening. We're going to camp. There's a birthday party. There's this extracurricular, there's this thing and we want Macy to come. And I feel really, embarrassed or awkward saying this, but I, but do you think you can come too? Um, I think I might need some support 
with her with her coming or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. say it better than that. But the reality is all of us before mm-hmm. we got right. to know our kids well needed support in what to do with our kid, like how to how to help our kid be in a space. And some of our kids with yeah. disabilities mm-hmm. do need that extra support. And it's mm-hmm. unrealistic. It's not helpful for anybody involved, not unrealistic, but it could right. be harmful to just do a drop off and walk away. Um, and so that onus is on us, but it's not like the responsive, yeah. it's not my responsibility to make sure Mason's included. It's my responsibility to support her in inclusion. And I think there's a difference there. And if a parent says, you know, I, we really mm. want to do this thing. Do you think Mason would do okay? Do you think you could come? Don't let, don't let your fear of, of, feeling like that you have to be the only person supporting, like that you don't know what to do with this person in your kid's class, you know, don't let that be the thing that stops you. Talk to the parent, let them know that you really want their child there, but you think that they might need to, you'd love for them to come to, to help support the play date or to help support the party or whatever it is. I would be so open to that. I would just be like, yes. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I'm coming. Right. Andy was really supportive too. I was like, okay, camp. I'm like, should I offer to drive? And he's like, well, yeah, we sometimes, you know, it is hard, but sometimes it just really, I mean, but this is even for my other, for the boys too. It just always looks really great and representative for our family and our kids in general when we can be extra. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like when yeah. you can be the place where people can go, where they can congregate, where, you know, it's not just for the kiddos with Down syndrome or not just for my child with special needs, but just in general, showing up for my child, being the parent mm-hmm. that goes above and beyond for all of them always will just yeah, be great <laughs> and be inclusive. Um, and that is just like a small way that I can show up. And I know that can be hard to be like, do we have to do everything for our kid? And I feel like we would in general, like even, I don't know that mindset. I kind of have maybe even I push back on that, you know, of that mindset, but you guys can help me through that just because I think we would go above and beyond for any child, even if they were professional football, like, like I think of all my friends whose kiddo do sports stuff and they do crazy amounts of things for that child, like hours upon hours upon upon hours. And I think I've taken on that mindset for sunflower in a different way and for each one of my kids. So I don't know, even on the other, on the flip side, like just go easy on the world you know, and just know that you're showing up for your kid in this unique way, but you would in any other way too. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to explain, but like, I want to ease that burden, but I know I can't, but I just want to help change that shift that mindset a little bit. Do you guys have any memories from when you were kids, of when you first learned about disability or how you were first introduced to disability? And if so, do you have a like sense of what you would change about that or what, what was good about it for you? I have a story. I was in third grade when our class, um, quote, volunteered. Our whole third grade class did a field trip to, um, I guess it was like a, an assisted living, maybe it was an adult day program. It was like a day program or an assisted living space. I don't know exactly where we went, but we got on a bus, went to a place in our community or nearby community that was adults with intellectual disabilities. And we were paired one-on-one or two-on-two-to-one to like hang out. So it was this great day of exposure. My experience was I got paired with a woman who had significant needs and I felt under supported. I'm in third grade, so I'm 10, right? Nine or 10 years old and fe- and felt nervous the whole time. 
And there was a sense of, because it was like, we took us our class and then moved us on a field trip. It was almost like, this sounds awful, but like you go to field trips to the zoo, right? Like you don't go on a field trip to interact with adults with disabilities. So there was that mindset of like a very othering. Yes. Um, And I know this was everyone's intention. And and this is my experience. Maybe another person in my class had an experience that was like, and now disability was changed forever and for the better for me. But for me, it felt I felt scared and out of place and uncomfortable and like a, mm-hmm. and this is what you do as a good person, like a praiseworthy, you know, like an accolade because we're helping as a 10 year old, I'm helping this poor disabled adult by just giving her a moment of love and kindness. So I would go back in time and say to that educator, we're going to need to rethink this whole field trip. (laughs) And um, I think there's a better way to do this. And there would have been a lot of front loading about disability and maybe start with your school. And I don't even know that there was a special, there had to be a special class on my campus. I don't remember seeing a disabled person or interacting interacting with a disabled person on my school in third grade. But I, I think mm. out of all of that, A is parents don't take your kids to be with disabled people as like a spectacle in a show. I think that we're, I hope we're past that. But I think on top of that, what's easier to do yes. for parents with non-disabled kids is to give them kind of accolades and praises for befriending disabled people. And schools do this, um, perpetuate this idea. We've, I've shared before how Mason had friends at school who got like their little school tokens of kindness for walking with her from class or playing on the playground with her, you know? And it's like, no, what that's saying is that Mason is um, a favor, like that because she's disabled, she needs, she's a charity case. Yeah. What does that communicate to Macy? This is real problematic guys. So there are schools that are doing communicating that and perpetuating that. Mm -hmm. But that was my experience. My first, my first remembered experience with disability was scary. It wasn't a good experience, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, I mean, starting with adults with disabilities, like introducing kids to adults Mm -hmm. feels, that feels problematic instead of starting with introducing kids to their peers. Like, yes. And let's just spend like so much conversation ahead of time, you know, like with my parents and we're reading books and and saying to me, you know, when you're around people, when I'm around people who are really different, I can feel really uncomfortable about that. That's okay to feel uncomfortable. This is why you feel uncomfortable. Lean into that and then it won't be uncomfortable. Like those conversations are so important to have with our kids all the time. I have that with my kids with Down syndrome. August is like right. very aware of people who respond different in the world. Right. And he can be very un- feel very uncomfortable around people with disabilities, you know, as a person with Down syndrome. So it's like the same conversation, August, you feel uncomfortable because you're unfamiliar here. This is not because this person's disabled. And that's how I feel too. When I'm around Mm -hmm. someone who, or something or someone I'm not familiar with, lean into it and then it's no longer uncomfortable. Like we got to give our kids those tools. We can, it's really an opportunity guys. Yeah. What about you guys? I think to go off of that, when I was in high school, so supposedly, and I don't remember him, I had um, a peer with Down syndrome in my fifth grade class, but I feel like he got pulled out a lot. For some reason, he that didn't, I didn't make that connection till later in life, um, but he was there in my fifth grade class. Um, but when I was in high school, there was a boy with... Um, disabilities that I don't know what the diagnosis was, but I knew he was in the special education class who would find Mm -hmm. me and give me Mm -hmm. really long, inappropriate hugs during lunch. And so there were, and he had a helper that was not really very hands on, or I don't know what the situation was because my solution at that time as a high schooler, very immature was to run and hide and eat lunch in the bathroom. If I saw him coming for me, you know, and I would feel bad about saying anything. I would just like avoid and be essentially frightened until I was like 18 and helping out in this really cool program that I ended up staying with for like 10 years. But 
I was afraid because I felt bad and I just wanted, I felt bad Mm -hmm. that I was afraid and I felt bad to say anything to him. Like I had no rights to say anything because the person Mm. had a disability. Right. You know, like I, and that's not true. And, um, I learned that later, but I wonder how many people just go about feeling a little bit frightened and a little bit scared Mm -hmm. primarily because they feel bad and they just want to give allowance because they're like, Oh, well, I don't want to be the mean one that says something and knowing that this person with disabilities probably doesn't know any better like that. But now I have a child who I'm like, Oh, well, you know, we talk a lot about appropriate, not appropriate, you know, what's right, what's wrong. Finding out later in life that these are all tools and skills that they, that everybody just in general are learning about at a very early age. You know, I would have just handled it if I had the maturity now differently then. And I would have saved myself years of being afraid and off put it like I was off put by people with disabilities because I was afraid of um, being taken advantage of, or I was afraid of inappropriate behavior because I didn't know how to speak up for myself. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but that was my experience that thankfully God restored. And like, I always, like we talk about assume capability, assume that the other person should also know the Mm -hmm. appropriate way to engage with people assume like, Hey, no, sorry, just one hug or, Hey, I love being your friend. Let's give high fives. Cause you know, now knowing what I know now, you want to help yeah. your friends succeed out there in the world when they see other people that they might be yeah. interested in, yeah. you know? Yeah. So parents talk to your kids about, talk to your kids about their uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a really important point, Mercedes, just that you're like, every kid has a right to, to set their boundaries. And just because their friend has a disability doesn't mean that that they can't share their boundary with their friend with a disability. If they yeah. feel uncomfortable, then that boundary needs to be set and their friend with a disability needs to know what, what kind of physical touch is, is okay and what isn't. And yeah. that's something yeah. that parents can be part yeah. of too. Of mm-hmm. Cause that's relationship, right? Mm-hmm. That's relationship. Yep. And totally. To make it totally. work. Yep. And you guys know what I'm going to share about that I um, had a friendship with my friend Carrie that started when I was five in kindergarten and Carrie lived down the street from me and she and my friend Malin um, and I all played together and we played on in the weekends together. We played, ran around the neighborhood together and Carrie had Down syndrome. And if you want to go back to episode six, six, zero, well, not six, zero, zero, six, early on people, um, I interview Malin, my lifelong friend about our friend Carrie who passed away um, more than a decade ago or around a decade ago. Uh, and you know, I think there's really, I, that, that whole episode is, is such a beautiful one, just a conversation for the two of us about what it meant for us to be introduced so early on to someone, um, with an intellectual disability and to, to have that normalized for us so early on and for the amazing ways that her parents just, um, let her be in our lives, push for her in the, in the 80s to be included and how she was on our softball team and in brownies with us and um, doing sleepovers with us and playing freely in the neighborhood, crossing streets and, you know, all the things that we did together. And um, I, I think like that is really the, the dream, uh, and what I wish for all, all kids to be able to be introduced to other children with disabilities through friendship. And that's, you know, as parents, what we're trying to do, what we hope for, for, 
for our kids that their peers will see their lives as mm -hmm. an introduction to a world that um, is going to be ever present with them and something they don't need to be afraid of. Just difference. Okay, so Mercedes, can you think of some ways that friends and parents and community have done a great job in approaching you with Sunflower in friendship? This past year, we had the sweetest set of sisters, um, Adele and Olivia, just took to Sunflower right away. Olivia did, and then Adele, her younger sister, just was in tow. And the mom was so sweet about getting together. Like, it was a mutual excitement for the girl's friendship to flourish. So the play dates felt very mutual. Like, she would reach out, I would reach out. And then the girls wanted to have Sunflower over. They thought in their head to have a Valentine's Day girls party. And it was just the three of them. And um, like I could tell like they had the mom was possibly nervous. I don't know. But kind of like, okay, let's like how can we make Sunflower? How can we make Sunflower coming mm -hmm. to our house feel exciting and comfortable. So she like asked me, um, I think that's why they made it a party, like a valent, like a theme. And, um, she just took the time to ask me what kind of food sunflower liked, what kind of games. Mm -hmm. And it was special because it wasn't a play date that included her brothers. It was specifically for sunflower. And then I would specifically not be there. Like that was very intentional because that's also Sunflower loves, which I feel is like so because she's homeschooled. Like, all right, mom, you've dropped me off. Like, please leave. You know, like my friend whose daughters these were were was very aware that Sunflower liked to have that kind of solo time. So um, I don't know. She was just very just like aware of what Sunny Sunny's personality was. Um, and then in her own nervousness worked around that, like yeah. of like, okay, what would it look like? We'll have the play date only be a couple hours, like almost like controlled the scenario, but in a sweet way and in a good way. And, um, that was encouraging to me, like what it, cause like you said, like mm -hmm. we had supports in the beginning when we brought home our baby with down syndrome. And then like, we continue to have those supports, you know? this whole way through. And I just love how you brought that up because then I'm like, that does make me even feel mm -hmm. like, why wouldn't I offer that to people who are also wanting to enter this world with me, you know? And like, I just loved that the mom found what was comfortable for herself to do and to offer and offered that to like her girls as a great idea that then they brought sunflower into their fold in that way. And just anytime someone has done that, like approached me like, Hey, you know, um, this is what I'm thinking. Like Dave and Buster. Okay. Sunflower got invited. She was one of like three people invited to this Dave and Buster birthday party. Like the mom was like, do you think sunflower would like that? I'm like, no, she would love that. She's not counting money yet or like she can't handle a car. So let's not waste our money. Me or Andy will go <laughs> and support Sunny in that way. Because Sunflower also, when it's not her birthday, like we got to work on this. It's not her strong suit. When it's not about her, it's just really hard for her to stay positive mm -hmm. um, and to just fall in line with the goal of that moment, which is to celebrate her friend that that this whole birthday party is to celebrate her friend. So that is something that we're working on and that she needs support in. So yeah, she's not, I'm not just going to drop her off at Dave and Buster with this mom who also's goal is to celebrate her own daughter thinking that, you know, it's going to be a success. No, I knew that either me or Andy mm -hmm. would go, we'd be sunflowers buddy. And so that the mom could have a successful party for her own child. You know what I mean? Like I just, I have always loved when moms or dads have said, Hey, this is what we're doing. We'd like Sunflower to be there. How can we make it happen? 
And usually the, how do we make that happen is just me or Andy being there, you know, or if we had an eight, Mm -hmm. it's just like in school, like it's going to be a success when Sunflower has that person who's actually just looking out for her, you know, and, um, and we're okay with that. And I love Mm -hmm. offering Mm -hmm. that because I think then that gives parents, if parents know that me and Andy are involved, I think that just opens the door for Sunflower, you know? And so any time that a parent has included me in the conversation, like we've been saying, that's been the theme, I think of this episode, just including us in the conversation, not just assuming because Sunflower can sometimes be an odd bird, just assume she won't like it. So therefore we won't invite or, you know, we were kind I did have a friend who said that like, you know, my daughter is having sleepover and she was wondering, do you even think Sunny would like that? And I was just kind of like, I don't know. And so she didn't end up inviting Sunflower. And I was like, oh, well, you know, next time we can come for half the time. Maybe we won't spend the night, but we would totally go. And just that we language that I just want people to know that, yeah, it might not be Sunny Solo, that it is kind of a we're we are a package deal. And if we're OK with that, like, let's move forward. Yeah. So long. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as kids get older, kids, non-disabled kids, like when our kids are little and they go to a toddler birthday party, parents aren't just dropping kids off. We just did a two, a second grade birthday party for August. And we're like, is second grade drop off or not drop off? Because it's because I'm I don't think it's drop off yet. It's still young. Like, because I'm not sending my kid to a, a house that I don't know. Right. You know, I'm not doing that. But we, so in the invitation, it was like, we gave the parents, parents are welcome to stay. You're welcome to drop off. Like, I'm, I'm fine with your kid just being here without you. Yeah. But then, and, and about half the parents decided to stay, total strangers. I've never met them before. And half the parents dropped off and it was fine. But all that to say, as kids get older, there is a progression of parent, less parent involvement in social interactions with other kids. And so as Mason's gotten older, it has been like, as people have gotten to know her, there are certain people that if they invite her anywhere, like to the moon, I'm like, yes, go. Because there's actually only one family. There's one family (laughs) that if that, if they invite her anywhere, then, then yes, because they have gotten to know her really well. They know how to support her needs. They're not scared of what could go wrong. um, And they can adjust as needed. But I think for parents, for things like younger kids and for parents who are like, I really, there, we have this kid in our school or in my kid's class who has Down syndrome or disability. We want to embrace the relationship with them. Finding out what kids have in common, even if it's like, do you like ice cream? You both like ice cream. Frozen yogurt, maybe even safer because there's going to be for sure non-dairy options or maybe <laughs> a sherbet if your kid is dairy-free. And then say, hey, we would love to, I would love to see if August wanted to get ice cream after school on Friday. Would you want to come too? You know, kind of like asking, extending the invitation or what would I need to know Yes. Um, in that scenario? Yes. Like what is something that I might need to be aware of and would you like to come too? Or even saying, I would feel, I would feel great if you came too. Right. I think like going to ice cream and that's like a 30 minute hangout session after school. Right. Like, like start Very little, little it doesn't have to be like a two hour in the home. Do you like Legos? Do you not like that? It doesn't have to be that. Right. It can be a, Hey, we're going to go run and grab, I don't know, a Slurpee from Seven Eleven. Can August come with us after school on Thursday? Or we're going to go to the movies. I know not all kids sit through movies, but I am a strong believer in movies being such a good start for a play date because there's no interacting, which right. sounds there's weird. No conversation. There's minimal interacting, but time together. Yes. Yeah. You get to have that time together. It's a good amount of time. You pick the kid up, drop the kid off, whatever. So as a parent wanting to embrace your the kids in your the kids with disabilities in your kids' class, think of those little things. It doesn't have to be some big overthought out thing. Um, and then make that invitation because mm-hmm. we want to be invited. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to be invited. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm going to talk real quick about this art. There's an article that that was in the Huff Post that we will link to. And this woman talking about it said, when we're talking to our kids, 
our non-disabled kids that the, she says, quote, the most important, this is Lydia XZ Brown, says the most important principle that parents should have in mind is that disability needs to be normalized. People have different ways of living and moving through the world. When deaf people are using sign language, it's not a lesser form of communication. If someone is spinning or rocking by a fountain, it's not weird or freakish. It's just another way of expressing joy. So again, talking to our kids about, about how disability is just a part of the human experience and people respond differently to the world. It's not bad. And then the, this person else, this person, Kristen Naper, is the author of a kid's book about disability, says, one thing I say a lot when I'm talking to kids is disability isn't a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's value neutral. Um, and so to talk to our kids about like that too, I really love that. Marissa, anything else? What's your last golden nugget? Oh, golden nugget. I think, and you do this well too, and I feel like Micah does it well too, is I think this is more towards the moms and dads of little ones just to like get ready to have to be personable and likable. You know, like mm -hmm. very much I feel like I bring the positive joy and fun energy at a play date when if Sunflower isn't able to in that moment, you know, and I yeah. am likable. So having me around isn't that bad, <laughs> you know, like you just right. have to totally. be ready to be that extension of friendship and joy from your, you have to be ready to be that. And I encourage everyone, if you have social anxiety, to kind of start thinking about that in ways that you feel comfortable of being outgoing to help your child have a social life because we are going to be very much in charge of that. So what does that look like yeah. for you to show up for your kid in that way? And um, to just be thinking about that, start working on that because that is it does um not make or break I won't say that but it does go a, a long ways especially because we can't put that on our kids to develop for themselves you know we have to be able to understand mm -hmm. that that is going to be on us to develop and to search and to look for for them and create that for them yeah yeah I agree with that especially when Macy was real little in those beginning days with friends at school like they, they love Mason genuinely and want to be her friend and they really love hanging out with me. I just would make it not, my goal is not to be their friend. It's not about me at all, but like just that idea of they love being around our home and our family because we make it a fun space where they feel comfortable. And that's an extension of Mason. And then as it got more, as they became more and more familiar, then it could be just the t Mason and her friend more time alone. But in the beginning, it was always. I was always a big, big player in the play dates. Mm -hmm. Who wants a play date with Heather? <laughs> um, I'm, I will also, as a shameless plug, I've written two children's books as tools to help talk to our kids without disabilities about differences in disability. One is called Different, A Great Thing to Be, and one is called Everyone Belongs. And they both have, alone in and of themselves, they're a resource for parents and educators, but there's also some curriculum that goes along with them. If you go to heatheravis.com and click the appropriate links, um, books are such a great tool to introduce our kids to disabilities, even if it's just in pictures and they can ask a question and you can say, yeah, I don't know the answer. Let's look into that. Both of those books have been a good tool for that. And hopefully this was a little bit helpful for things to say to our friends without disabilities as we are pursuing relationships this year. It's going to be a great year for friendship. Oh, I think so too. And just, I know it's crazy being a parent, but this is kind of on us <laughs> to do just yeah. one of the good things that we get to do. Absolutely. Um, yes. For our children with disabilities and especially for our children without disabilities, just to be yes. aware. Um, okay. Such an opportunity. Should we do good news? Let's do some good let's news. Let's do some good news. So before we head out, let's do some good news. We're going to take a break and be right back. All right, listener friends, do you know of a new baby recently diagnosed with Down syndrome? If you do, will you please send them to my house so I can hold them? 
I just need to hold those new babies. Can you also go over to jacksbasket.org to request a basket and welcome them into the lucky few? Jack's Basket celebrates babies with Down syndrome and provides gifts, resources, and a parent connection to the Down syndrome community. Impact a family's story from the very beginning by letting them know that their baby is celebrated and they are not alone. Go to jacksbasket.org to learn more and then send that baby over to me for a quick snuggle. Time for good news, time for good news. Everybody, welcome to the good news. Yeah, yeah. What are we celebrating? Heather. I'll go first. I have a piece of good news. And that is speaking on this topic, August had his first sleepover. Um, we're very, we're very heavy handed and strict. I'll use the word strict when it comes to sleepovers with our kids, but we have friends who are like family and they invited him over and it could not have gone better. And they all had the best time. And Augie had a great time and it was just like a hundred percent trust, but he also felt super comfortable there. And it was just a, such a gift to be able to send him on his way and feel relaxed about it. So good news that Augie did a great job, but also good news that we have a relationship like that in our lives. Yay. Sleepover. Woo woo. Um, I have good news from our friend Steph Reichenbach. Reichenbach. She says inclusion isn't dead. Woo. Our eight-year-old daughter. I know. <laughs> Woohoo! It isn't dead. Our eight-year-old daughter, Nora, recently had a birthday and there was so much love, so, so much laughter, so much dancing which I believe is attributed to her teacher, Mrs. Larson, who gives space for Nora to be Nora, for her to shine. Guys, I wish you would see how this sweet class looks at Nora in her eyes when they talk to her. She is seen, she is loved, she is not forgotten. Thankful to share that this sweet class will be looping with the same teacher for second grade. I understand the sweetness in elementary can fade in middle school, but one can hope. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Yes. And Steph, hold on to that hope. I feel like I need to give a little, um, I don't know if it's an apology. It could, it very well could be to our <laughs> listeners about all of my sharing of middle school. It's not going to be like this for everyone. All right. And it hasn't been all bad and hold on to that hope. And more than that, you have this now. So don't even worry about that coming up. We've got this great thing now. You know, I know it's year by year and everybody's experience, like you're saying, Heather is different. And even with you and your household, it might be completely different for Augie Mm -hmm. as it was for Macy. So don't feel like you have to apologize. (laughs) I feel like I'm just (laughs) this year has been like a here comes Heather again. Here she goes. Middle school. Here we are. (laughs) Here we all are. Steph, thank you so much for sharing that good news with us. Friends, if you have good news that you want to share, you can head over to the Lucky View Pod on Instagram. Leave your good news in a direct message or in a comment. Email hello at Lucky View Podcast. And on that note, we're wrapping this one up. Um, you can also go over to luckyfew.co. Use code podcast, get 10% off your narrative shifting gear, like a inclusion for all t shirt. Wear that to your play date, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no need to be subtle. I love that. Um, and thank you, Josh Avis for editing this episode. You've got your work cut out. Um, and (laughs) Ashley Frecolosi for producing it. You're amazing. And we love you. If you like this episode, share it with family and friends. Don't forget to subscribe and check us out at theluckypodcast.com for show notes and everything that we talked about today. And then make sure you're following on social at the lucky few pod. You're muted. You're muted. Ah. <laughs> I was going to be so proud of myself coming in. And <laughs> hey, listener, you're slaying it. We love you. We are cheering you on. 
Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait to be together again next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> you won't need it. So good. <laughs> you have to edit that out, Josh. You have to, because that, that was just jabberish. <laughs>